Good evening. Welcome to Nighttime. I'm Dave Wager, your host. For the next half hour, we hope to talk calmly about something that causes you to think and hopefully go to God, His Word, and seek out the answers that only He can give us. It's wonderful to know that you can speak to the Creator and Sustainer of all life, that He loves you, that He wants you to have the life that you're meant to have. And when you die, it's a transition from here to there. It's something different. But it's not a tragedy. It's not the end. It's a wonderful thing to be able to walk with God and know what His love is about and respond to His mercy and grace. And I hope you've done that. Tonight I want to talk about the verse in Luke 9:23. Take up the cross and follow me. I really was reading from a book by Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, named Encouragement, Ultimate Hope and Encouragement for the Hard Times by Charles Spurgeon. Let me read what he says about this. He said, you do not have the ability to make your own cross, although unbelief is a master carpenter at cross making. Neither are you allowed to choose your own cross, although yourself would gladly do so. Rather, your cross is prepared and appointed for you by divine love, and you must cheerfully accept it. You must take up the cross as your chosen burden and should not stand grumbling or complaining at it. This very day, Jesus is calling you to submit your shoulder to his easy yoke. Do not kick at it like a spoiled child or trample on it in self-pride or fall under it in despair, or run away from it in fear, but take it up like a true follower of Jesus. Jesus was a cross-bearer. He leads the way in the path of sorrow. Surely you could not ask for a better guide. And if he carried a cross, beloved, the cross is not made of light feathers or lined with soft velvet. It is heavy, and unpleasant to disobedient shoulders. But it is not an iron cross, although your fears may have painted it with iron colors. It's a wooden cross, and a man or a woman can carry it, for the man of sorrows has already tested the load for you. Take up your cross, and by the power of the Spirit of God, you will soon be so in love with it that just like Moses, you would rather not trade your sufferings for Christ for all the treasures of Egypt. If you remember that Jesus carried it, it would be a lovely thing to you. If you remember that the reward of a crown will soon follow, then that thought of coming glory will greatly lighten the present heaviness of trouble. May the Lord help you bow your spirit in submission to his divine will before you go to sleep this very night, so that walking with tomorrow's sun, you'll approach the day's cross with a holy and submissive attitude of a true follower of the crucified. Let me read the passage from Luke that this comes from. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 to 27. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, 
Take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust of your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed, and they went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Verse 7. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening, and he was perplexed, because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. Herod said, John I beheaded, but who is this about who I hear such things? And he sought to see him. Verse 10. On their return, the apostles told him what they had done, and he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethesda. When the crowds had learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go buy food for all these people. For there were about five thousand men. And he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of fifty each. And they did so. And they had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, twelve baskets of broken pieces. Verse 18. Now it happened that he was praying alone, and the disciples were with him. And he asked them, What do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say, Elijah. And others, that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, The Christ of God. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed and on the third day be raised. And then he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, Of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Whenever there's a dialogue between Jesus and his disciples or anyone, it's always very interesting and something we can learn from. One of the things that always strikes me here is the idea of picking up our cross and following Jesus. 
We're told that anyone that would come after me, anyone that wants to be a disciple of God, needs to do a couple things. They need to deny themselves and they need to take up their cross daily and follow him. Let's just think about that for a minute. Denying himself. Are we in the habit of denying ourselves, of just saying no to the flesh? Once again, I think that's what the idea of fasting really is all about. The idea of saying no to a basic urge in life that that isn't a bad urge, that isn't something that should hurt you. You're not hurt if you eat. God meant you to eat or you can't live. So there's nothing evil about the desire to eat. So the purpose of saying no to food, of fasting, is what? Some think it's to show our sincerity. God doesn't need me to fast for him to know how sincere I am. So that's got to be off the table. Maybe it's to show how sincere I am to me. No, because then it could become a religious thing for me, and I could just do it and say, look, what a good boy am I. I can fast. I don't think that's it. I think any time that you and I can say no to this fleshly body, we learn something from it. I think that those who love God work at being disciplined in life. They say no to evil, even though they feel like doing evil. They say no to self, even though they want self to rule. I think it's important for us to grasp the idea of discipline and being able to say no or denying ourself because ourself can keep getting in the way. My life should not be about trying to just fill my day with all my desires. It should be about being a soldier in the war between God and Satan, being one who God would call upon to be in the middle of the fight. And that could leave me totally uncomfortable. Now, there's nothing about me personally where I would want to go and fight. When you look at Jesus before he went to the cross, he prayed and he sweat drops of blood over that. He was in agony, thinking of what he had to do, but he did it anyway. He told his flesh that his flesh was going to go to that cross. But in his mind, he understood who he was. He's God. He is the one who created all those who put him on the cross. He's the one that created the wood. He's the one that created the universe. That went dark while he was on the cross. The physical body was not something that was going to control Jesus. And if I'm going to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, I need to understand that my physical body should not be controlling me. That only God has that privilege. Those of us that want to be followers of Christ, that want to be disciples of his. He says this, verse 23. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. The next verse, uh, the next words, and take up his cross daily. What was Jesus' cross? It was his mission. He came down to this earth to die on that cross so you and I could have our sins completely paid for. You can't do it on your own and I can't do it on my own. So Jesus came down to this earth to die on that cross. When he came here to earth, he knew that that's why he came. He came to give his life a ransom for many. He didn't come to make sure that he lived a pleasurable life. He didn't come to make sure that he was 
happy all the time and, and felt good about every situation. He came to die on that cross so that you and I could have the payment for sin that we need in order to be in the presence of God. There's not a day that he lived, probably, that he didn't think about that moment that was coming. There's a cross to bear, and he was going to do it. And his whole life was pointing toward that. See, if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, I'm told that if I want to follow, if I want to be a disciple, I need to deny myself. I need to take up my cross daily. I need to recognize what God put me on this planet to do and daily do that. So if you take a shower in the morning or whatever, it's to be thinking, what am I going to do today, God, with the mission that you've given me for today? You've given me opportunity to serve. You've given me a cross for this day. The cross isn't something that's always pleasant. In fact, the cross can be something that's downright painful. But it's what we're here for. That's why you have to learn to deny yourself. Are you raising children at home? Are they still at home? Are you teaching them to deny themselves? Or do we give in to every whim and everything they want to do? I'm not saying we should run it like a Gestapo camp or something, but I am saying that we need to be careful in life not to give the wrong impression about what life is really about. It really isn't about satisfying every sensory thing that we have. We need to understand how to deny ourselves and to pick up the purpose that God gave us and follow him. If we're a disciple, we're a follower. And we're following the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one that came to earth and did it perfectly. We read his word. We want to understand what we're supposed to do to align ourselves with the purposes of God. This isn't really shocking. There's a war out there, and Satan would like to destroy everyone that God loves, which is every human being. And he'll use any tool he can to destroy us, whether they be feelings, whether they be anything else. But in our lives, what we need to grasp is the idea that our feelings, our emotions, are off the table. Satan, you can't use those against me because I'm not allowing those things to control me. Some people think they have to get rid of them in order to be okay. You don't need to get rid of your feelings or your emotions. or You, you, you don't do that because the bottom line really is those are always going to be there and healthy people have emotions and feelings but they don't control them. Once again, if you've listened to Nighttime before, you know that I would suggest that people who are grieving over something in life that they can't understand to go back to what they know, not what they feel. And as you go back to what you know and you dwell on that or you talk with others about what you know, not what you feel, but what you know, eventually your feelings begin to change. When your feelings aren't in line with what's true, when your feelings are trying to get you to go the wrong direction, the wrong path, it's important that you remind yourself of what you know and not what you feel. Notice I'm not saying it's important that you get rid of the feelings. That's not it. It's important that you remind yourself what you know in the midst of the feelings. Anyone come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. 
Verse 24, for whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Once again, a very complex but simple idea. The people who are trying to live their best life now, they'll lose it. But those who live their life for the will of God, not, not the will of man, not even themselves man, but those who live their life for the will of God, well, they'll have life. For what does it profit a man, verse 25, if he gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in glory, in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. G. Barrett said this, An old mystic once said a true word, Never run after a cross and never run away from one. No, you need to not run after it. The cross is near you, with you, in you, if you will only see it. And Jesus, he told his disciples that they weren't worthy of being his disciples unless they bore the cross for his sake. To us, the Christian cross is a symbol of salvation, self-devotion, obedience to our Father, loyalty to our Savior. But those who heard Jesus, it was a symbol of terrible pain of shame, of burden. And he's telling them not to run from that. Let me read this same passage from Mark, chapter 8, starting with verse 31 to 38. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words and this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Mark 8, as we see this, you can't help but see Peter in his normal, wanting to control the situation kind of life. He took him aside and he rebuked him. What did he rebuke him for? Let me read again. He says, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer. He's telling them that he's going to suffer. He's going to suffer many things. He's going to be rejected. He's going to be rejected by all the religious people and the scribes, the Pharisees, those guys. And he's going to be killed. But that he's going to come back from the dead. I wonder what Peter was really thinking in the others. Is this really who he followed? 
this is the creator and sustainer of all life. He's going to be mistreated and we're following him. What can we expect? Will we too be mistreated? Most people that wanted to follow a king in that day were not looking to be mistreated. They were looking to be pampered. Jesus kept having to remind them of what he was here for. His cross, remember? Every day being reminded of the cross, the purpose for which he was sent to this earth. You and I were sent to this earth for a purpose too. The Bible tells us that while we were in our mother's womb, God crafted us, set us apart. You and I have a purpose. We're not here as accidental blobs of protoplasm. We're here to be people who represent the king in the world in which he's placed us. For some of us, that might be business associations. It might be sports associations. It might be who knows what kind of associations, schools or government or whatever it might be. He didn't send us to this earth to live for luxury for trying to please our emotions, to trying to appease other people. That's not why he sent us. He sent us to represent him in all facets of life. Our sin doesn't allow us to do that. When we sin, we show nobody who God is. We just point at ourselves. I imagine Peter here was totally confused, and this isn't the only time Peter gets confused in the Bible. Because here Jesus looks at him and at the disciples, and he says, get behind me, Satan. He calls Peter Satan. Imagine Peter standing there trying to think, I'm trying to to help here. Nobody should abuse you, Jesus. Nobody should put you on a cross. Nobody should kill you. I am trying to stand in the way of this violence and this hatred toward you. And Jesus is saying, that's exactly why I came. I came to die on that cross. And then he tells you and me that we have a cross to bear. We don't have to go looking for it, by the way. Some people think because they're a Christian or they call themselves a Christian that they have to go look for some controversy to get in the middle of. And they really try and start arguments or try and start debates or try and start it where people hate them. No, that's not it. You look at what Jesus was doing and the hatred for Jesus came from him doing what's right. He basically was healing the sick. I know there were days he did it where it was the Sabbath and All the religious people got upset. I guess Jesus could have said, well, maybe I shouldn't do it on the Sabbath. But that wasn't his point. His point was not to fall into the religiosity of those religious leaders. His point was to love those who were around him and give life to those who came to him. No matter what day it was, he did that. However, Sometimes we think that if we cause trouble out there, that it's God's will for us to be in trouble when it was just our smart aleck mouth or it was something else that got us into trouble. There are those who just follow the king, and following the king alone will get them in trouble. They take a stand for what's right, and taking a stand for what's right 
will be unpleasant for them because of the situation that the world around them that's godless puts them in. We shouldn't be afraid of the cross that God has given us to bear. He'll give us the strength to bear it. But the cross is never going to be pleasant. Those who think that Christianity is really just about now and the comfort now and the kingdom now, get behind me, Satan. For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And it is easy to get our minds set on the things of man. Think of all the hours we have influencing our minds with what men say, especially those who are eloquent. We have to remember that great debaters and great eloquence does not mean truth. Satan was really good with his words with Eve in the garden. And that caused the rest of the world after her to be sinful and separated from God. Satan is a liar and a deceiver. And if somebody's a good liar and deceiver, you don't even know they're not telling you the truth. The only way that you can beat Satan is by knowing the truth, and the truth comes from God. We need to be in his word. We need to understand his word and apply his word. And no matter what God says in his word, if anybody says anything opposite of that, they're wrong. And it's a get-behind-me-Satan kind of attitude we should have. After all of this, he called people to him, and he basically said again, You want to follow me? And you should. Well, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's really a matter of taking up your cross. I'm excited about the fact that God didn't just allow me to appear on this earth as an accidental blob, but he's got a purpose for me to accomplish. Perhaps some of that purpose is right here on the Nighttime Podcast. Perhaps some of it has been the privilege of serving at Silver Birch Ranch, Nicolay Bible Institute, and the other things that we do here throughout the years and providing a place for people to understand the love of God, the plan of God. You see, none of that has been overly easy, but it's been tremendously rewarding. In one of the devotional books I wrote on Beyond Resistance, I pointed out the idea of how important it is in the game of football to find where the resistance is and run into it. Because the ball is always on the other side of that resistance. And that's the goal, is to get the ball. You really don't even need to know where the ball is. You just know that if you have three people running straight at you, the ball's behind them. And you need to make sure you don't move. What we see is that Satan works at trying to set up a resistance. And he could use our feelings, our emotions. And when we see that, we have to put them on the side. Because the cross is not fun to bear. But it's part of our purpose. It's part of succeeding in this life and the next. And we shouldn't be those that run from the cross that God has given us to bear. Well, it's the Bible that tells us if we want to be followers of Christ, we need to deny ourselves, take up his cross, and follow him. And the Bible is never, ever going to be wrong. So those that 
work at getting to know God by opening the Bible and reading it and wanting to obey Him and position themselves to be used of Him in the way that they were created to be used of Him. They'll be the ones who will experience the great joy of deliverance that comes from God, that they can go through these periods of time joyfully, with great purpose. I'm not saying they would enjoy getting nailed to a cross. But as you read the scripture, you see that God, Jesus, for the joy of the cross, endured the suffering. Called it a joy. Not the pain, but the purpose. You and I want to know that our lives matter. The purpose in life is far more important than a lack of pain. May we understand that, and it only comes from God. It doesn't come from this world or anything in this world. Well, I'm Dave Wager here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute, thanking you for spending the last half hour with me trying to understand what it means to pick up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow Jesus. Good night for now. Thank you.